Come here. Get off. Everybody loves them. Tell me, baby, can you stand the rain? That's not where I thought you were going with that. I thought we were about to oh, hit some Sesame Street. <laughs> can you stand the Why rain? Why right there, though? <laughs> because I <laughs> Bitch, he comes. He has a carrying case. Is it there from when we were carrying this bitch like videos the other day or pictures the other day? I literally keep this. I literally keep this thing like everywhere. <laughs> like I carry it in my purse and my backpack. Wow. Like my friends are like, look, nigga, I'm like stop. My anyway, welcome. <laughs> because she's really my kid so um welcome to this week's episode of turn on it's a little rainy outside so i thought i'd serenade us a bit with some <clears throat> good tunes yes that's what that was <laughs> anyway <laughs> this week we are reading along for the ride which was written by mimi grace in 2019 so sit back relax get your wine get your weed get your whatever you need which may be a second mic and enjoy <laughs> okay Along for the Ride by Mimi Grace. Abruptly, as if finally making up his mind, he made a detour toward the desk and grabbed his phone. He plucked away at it. Jolene squirmed in the silence, trying not to stare at the way his dick pressed against his pajama bottoms. Eventually, he looked up from his phone, and the intensity of the moment had not abated. He placed the shining mobile device in front of her face. My current STI test results. She studied the report and everything was in order. She quickly pulled up hers, fumbling with the login information as the Wi-Fi made things take longer than she appreciated. With each passing moment, however, she could feel the imaginary dial on her anticipation tick higher. She similarly placed her phone in front of him. He gave a nod when he finished reading. The desire between them moved in uninterrupted waves, pulsing and flowing in a way that made her feel lightheaded. And just as she got ready to do something to alleviate the buildup and ease the palpable tension, Jason eliminated the distance between them and pressed his lips to hers. Their first kiss had come unexpectedly and had been initially tentative, explorative but this one was bolder and insistent his firm lips pried hers open there wasn't any teasing this time just an urgent clashing of lips and tongues his hands cupped her face and she clutched his trim waist feeling the solid muscle underneath he pressed his body into hers and she felt his erection up against her her body responded to it with the beginning of a low thrum all over. 
Jolene, he moaned her name against her mouth, and it honestly sounded like a prayer, a benediction, and she wanted to be all that and more for him. His hands traveled down her body without breaking the kiss. She desperately wanted to feel his touch without the t-shirt hindering the experience. His hands found a home on both of her breasts, and he gave them an appreciative squeeze before he broke their kiss. He played with the weight of her breast, filling his hands with them, gently teasing and toying with her nipples through the shirt, drawing them to aching buds. She bit her lip so she wouldn't shout out, but then he lowered his head and took one t-shirt-covered nipple into his mouth. The combination of his hot mouth and the abrasive fabric of her shirt took her to an edge she'd never gone before with just nipple play. She needed him inside her. He played with the nipple till the fabric became completely soaked and then gently blew on it. He did the same with the other nipple, then finally released her. Take your shirt off, he said, his voice rough. The desire she saw in the depths of his brown eyes took all the air from her lungs, and with shaky hands, she removed her t-shirt. His harsh intake of breath turned the pulse that had begun in her core the minute he kissed her into an ache that needed to be taken care of. You're so beautiful, he whispered. His voice had morphed into something unrecognizable. And his words, even spoken through a lustful haze, made a home in the back of her mind. He dipped his head and caught one of her already hard, wet nipples in his mouth and rolled the other between his fingers. Please, Jason, she whimpered. Wetness had already built up between her legs and she throbbed. He released her nipple with a pop. What do you want, Jolene? He asked and moved to her other nipple, giving it a tender bite. I want you inside me, she said boldly. Which part? Jason asked as he sucked harder on her nipple. The new pressure made her throw her head back, submitting to the sensation. Which part? He repeated, and with the back of his hand, he caressed her mound. You know what part, she said, breathy and frustrated. I want to hear you say it. God, they would not have a fight right now. Unable to resist, she defiantly said, You're still Rod. He let go of her nipple for a moment and stood to his full height. He looked down at her and he saw the smile that tried to press past his lips. Or your dick or cock, if that's filthy language you prefer, she said flippantly. He did smile then, a crooked and devilish smile, and he followed it up with deliciously painful tugs on her nipples. He lowered his mouth to her ear. I suspect, he said, guiding her hand to his dick where it strained against his pants. 
you'd have no problem screaming for my dick when it's buried inside your tight little pussy. Dear God, (laughs) hearing those words come out of Jason's mouth had Jolene battling a wave of dizziness. This couldn't be real, but it had to be because he continued to lazily move her hand up and down his length. The thick vein running on the underside of his dick pulsed, seemingly intent on drawing every last particle of air from Jolene's lungs. But unfortunately, he removed her hand from him. Tonight, I won't get to hear you beg for it. We don't have any condoms. She desperately clutched at his biceps then and tempered a wail of disappointment. She must have been some sort of ruthless mercenary in a past life. What other explanation could there be? The universe had decided to punish her by denying her an orgasm she knew in her gut would be one of the best she'd ever had. He couldn't leave her like this, needing, so desperately needing. He gave her collarbone kisses and chuckled against her skin. Don't worry, I'm still going to make you come. I just won't be with my cock, he said. That will have to come later. Later? He gently guided her to the open door of the bathroom and pushed her up against the door jamb. She almost made a tepid joke about them not using a perfectly good bed, but then he removed his shirt. Words evaded Jolene as her hands automatically skimmed the slabs of muscle on Jason's arms and she briefly traced his tattoo. He dropped to his knees. Spread your legs. Any obstinacy she had previously wanted to display fled away at the command. She did what he said and a harsh sound escaped Jason. He moved his fingers along her folds. Those damn fingers worked her wetness up and down. They lightly teased her clit till she deliriously moaned his name. Jason, is your pretty pussy wet for me, Jojo? Soft, airy sounds escaped Jolene's mouth before Jason hooked her right leg over his left shoulder and pushed her other leg to the side. She couldn't hide here. She was completely and utterly exposed to his gaze, his touch, and she shivered with anticipation as he breathed on her just before his mouth finally pressed onto her sex. She almost collapsed, but his hands held her fast. His tongue parted her lips and twirled around her clit, lapping her wetness. He moved his tongue in and out of her opening before he finally took a hold of the sensitive button and covered it with his entire mouth, sucking and toying with it. Jolene held onto the doorframe and focused on her body falling apart. That was all she could do. She was thrown, however, when she caught the image of them in the cheap, full-length mirror that hung against the front door on the opposite side of the room. She barely recognized the desire she saw in her own face, so blatant and raw. Jason kneeled at her feet and did the things he did to her, and at some point along the way, he had also released his erection from his pants and now jerked himself off with long, lazy strokes. 
energy coursed through her, and when he added a new dynamic by sliding a finger inside of her, it pushed her dangerously close to the edge. Come for me, he moaned against her as he added another finger. The simple prompt did it for her. Jolene screamed and grabbed his hair as he continued to pump his fingers in and out of her until she was hurled into an orgasm that was all light. Her body shook, but he refused to let go of her clit. The two fingers that were inside of her continued to move, and before she could recover from her first orgasm, another one came calling. He released her clit once she came for the second time, gently blowing on and caressing her as she recovered. I, she said, trying to formulate words after an orgasm that she was sure shifted the tectonic plates of the earth. Only after a couple breaths did she notice that Jason still stroked himself, but this time faster and harder. He stood, bracing himself against the door jam behind her, caging her in as he buried his face in a crook of her neck and moaned inarticulate words. She didn't want to disrupt his rhythm by attempting to take over, so she rolled his nipples between her fingers and ran her fingernails down his back. He hissed as she made contact. Just like that, baby, he said. He went still as she increased the pressure with which she touched him. Fuck. Fuck, Jolene, I'm coming. He quickly snatched up the pajama bottoms that had pulled around his ankles and released against the fabric and Jolene pouted, somewhat disappointed that he hadn't finished somewhere on her body. But she wasn't about to complain about something like that after which she just experienced. Jason hunched over for a few minutes before he straightened and looked at her and smiled. Her breath caught. She assured herself it was the residuals of her orgasm and watching him come. That was great, he said. A shiver passed through his body as Jolene continued to lightly skim his back with her fingertips. Jolene could only muster a weak laugh. And we are back. Thank you, Killa, for that lovely reading of a... A good scene. Like, I was yeah. reading it and was like... So here's the thing. So first of all, that scene is amazing. And it's really, really well written. Like, mm-hmm. Mimi's writing is... Like, there's never a false step. Everything flows really well. That's not always the case. Like, And you don't necessarily understand that when you're reading something just for yourself. But when you start trying to read that shit out loud and you start stumbling and bumbling. Oh, okay. Because I'm like, all right. Yeah. Um, But also, I feel like there's some things we didn't think through that well (laughs) in the video. So. (laughs) Oh, is she recording? Yeah. So me reading these things where no one can see me because you don't you're not even with me when I record these yeah. at this point because your ass used to fall asleep and be on your phone <laughs> <laughs> listening to the soothing sounds of my voice. I would literally fall asleep like y'all would hear me breathing heavy I on the I mic. I wish we could hear you snore. You've got to stop. Um, anyway, but, but it hadn't occurred to me that people will be watching me read really. Good scenes. <laughs> yes. So, like, trying to keep my face together, 
And because there's so much acting that goes into this, which I never really thought about until I got into it. And just the fact that people can see me as I'm doing it. Is, well, maybe we'll just put like a book cover up or something. I mean, we can. No, co- it's we fine. Can get it's, okay. Uh-uh, I'm going to push through. It's just I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> this was a good scene. This was their yeah. first time, right? No. It, this was their first time. Yes, yeah, their first, like, there was a kiss, but this yeah, was Yeah, like, but this their was their first, first time when it was like, let's get down to it. And yes. I, like, yeah, like, it was just, a, I guess, you know what? It is really well written because it was just mm-hmm. like the little nuances of their, ugh. Yeah, there was never a false word. It's just, it's fantastic. It was like, hot down in my cooter. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? You're looking at your cooter. I was waving at my cooter. I was doing uh, this. I was okay. fanning you it off. You can see your hand. So. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So give us a little uh, synopsis mm-hmm. of the story. First, I will say that the the main character, one, the female main character is Jolene. So and then I'm constantly hearing Jolene in my I'm, head. Yeah, I'm so yeah. happy that they referenced that in the book. Because, like, I could not stop hearing that. We have one friend mm-hmm. that absolutely loves Dolly Parton and loves Jolene. Who loves Dolly? The one that has the absolutely adorable baby that just I had mean, the absolutely adorable, adorable baby. baby. The one that just had the adorable baby. And we see pictures of her and we're like, why is she just oh, so yes. absolutely adorable? <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. She's so cute and fab. And just... Oh, I got a video of her crawling yesterday. I'll show you later. Well, she doesn't crawl. She was just kind of like. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) tell a story. (laughs) So it opens. Yes. The story opens on Jolene and Jason. And their best friends are married. And they're moving to another state. And they have enlisted their sister. Right. Jolene is well, yeah, the yes. sister. Jolene's and sister, then, is her name Nikki or Nicole, and then Jason's best friend, and okay. they're married, and they're yes, you're right, and they're um, moving out of town, and they've asked them to be responsible for transporting their things, so they are driving the truck across several states to get their shit to them, and they hate each other. <laughs> we find this out very, very early on mm-hmm. that they can't stand each other. They've known each other for years because of proximity, you know, mm-hmm. with their um, people. But like, he thinks that she's flighty and unfocused and she just thinks he's an asshole and they hate each other. And so they're thrust into this very small space together. <laughs> <You> all. <laughs> <laughs> and they've got to make it work. And they set out on their trip and it's very quiet. And then eventually they start to open up to each other and a whole bunch of shit happens along the way. Yeah. And then, you know what I love is it doesn't end with the, with the trip, right? Like mm-hmm. then they've got all this other stuff. That <laughs> You're like, wait, there's <laughs> a like, whole oh, bunch of pages over. after this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's all this other stuff that happens and you really get deep into like their relationship and the rest of their lives. And it's just, just beautifully written but so yeah you you see their relationship or non-relationship evolve over time and this particular scene happens while they're on the road yeah so honey you don't have to put that somewhere because oh i apologize and we can I, totally hear it 
<laughs> you know, it's funny. But, I just realized my child calls her best friend honey all the time. And I was like, oh, she got that from me. She'd be on. She'd be like, honey, I can't hear you. Or honey, you're going to have to go around the other <laughs> Long as her best friend ain't calling her bitch like I call you. We're good. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So um, something that I was thinking about as I like stepping back from the story. Um, I think about the fact that I think the reason that they don't like each other is because he has his shit together. I use the quotation marks and she doesn't, and he just can't stand, you know, like, it's just like, you. I just, and I, not that I ever had my shit together. Cause I mean, <laughs> a bitch be flying by the seat of her pants, but people that are a hot mess express bother me. And mm. in the sense of like, how do you keep this shit together? Like, how do you, how do you know, how, <laughs> how do you, you do function? this? Exactly. Yeah. And so I can see how they didn't even give each other a chance because it was like, oh, she a hot mess. And he was mm-hmm. like, oh. Uh, and she, but the thing is that okay. she's not anymore, right? Exactly. So she's got this view of who she, who you know, she used to be, her younger self, who did go through some th- things, who had a really short and tumultuous marriage, and that shit was over, and who you know took a while to land on what she wanted to do with her career. But he's, it's like he's punishing her for the growing when he, yeah, when he was one, he had like so much shit happened to him in his life where he kind of was forced he was forced and so i mean actually that's a little bit further down but i mean i might as well talk about it right now um one of the themes in this is like how the loss of a parent affects how you move in life after that Mm -hmm. um and one of the things that you mentioned was that like jason's dad died early mm-hmm. and so he always idealized him yeah did i is that a word mm-hmm. idolized him whatever it's both and y'all know actually. what i'm saying both but of yeah. those words are correct in this so, and it made me i identified with that so much yeah because like kenria knows like we were i had to do like a significant amount of therapy around getting the 10 year old idea of what my father was, who my father was out of my brain, because not only did it affect how I saw people, how I saw myself, how I moved in relationships like that shit really, really, I mean, past like just the general, my mom pretty much had a mental break and we were old, you know, like I was forced to do things that were much older than who I, you know, than I should, I was doing shit a 10 year old. You had to take on responsibility that you normally hopefully wouldn't have had to take on. Yes. Which turned me into a little adult. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like I'm, (laughs) I'm reclaiming my time as a 10 year old. Um, (laughs) but even bigger than that, it's just like when I, think about like what's an ideal relationship I search for absolute perfection like Mm -hmm. and I think there's a difference between perfection like what's perfect for you and what's just perfection right Mm -hmm. and I was searching for perfection and not realizing I should have been searching for what's perfect for me 
Um, I share as much as you want, Kella. Both of your parents are here. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. But you've note you've noted on the show that you were raised by your father. Can you kind of explain? Although it wasn't mm. wasn't a loss of a parent, how did that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now I see why you said share as much as you want. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, raise my dad because my mom wasn't really, go ahead. More than anything, it's not that we're trying to like, we're just trying to keep everybody out of other and not everybody else. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's something Mm -hmm. that I struggle with a lot, honestly, in my writing is like what parts of this story are mine to share and what parts are theirs to own. Mm -hmm. Um, So I tend to talk about just how it impacted me. So, yeah, my mom wasn't really able to take care of us um and at that time it was there were just two of us i'm like now i'm one of five the fuck um i know <laughs> i'm like yeah I'm here, y'all. They are. yeah okay mm-hmm. <laughs> um but so there were just the two of us and so yeah my dad was it and that meant and i was fuck five when i started letting myself in the house um I have been taking care of myself in inappropriate ways <laughs> for 35 years. And um, I think I didn't really realize at the time how impactful that was or how inappropriate it was. It took therapy and it took having my own child and realizing that there were things that I had to do, you know, making dinner for everybody, washing all the clothes, cleaning the house, looking after myself for several hours at the age of five every day Mm -hmm. that I would never um, ask my child to do. Like never, ever, ever, (laughs) because not safe Um, and traumatic in a lot of ways. And. You know, you see that in Jason, whereas, you know, it's not necessarily that he felt like he had to take care of himself. But with him, it was like he had to take care of his mom. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. he's got these two things going on. One, he feels like, oh, now I'm the man in the house. It's my job to make sure my mama is good. And then the other part of it is that he had this, you know, a a child's vision of what his parents relationship looked like. And so then no other relationships can measure up to this rose colored vision that he had of a relationship that he was on the outside of. Like, money, you don't know. (laughs) That was was a that took a lot out of me, like, because after my father passed away, my mother went through some things and she was in relationships after that. Mm -hmm. And I always compared them to what she had with my father. Because, you know, in my mind, it was this tragic love story. They were together for 10 years and then he died, you know, or 11 years and then he died. Um, And so I remember one time I was talking to my therapist and I was like, my mom, like, I didn't say it as casually as I'm saying it right now. But essentially, I was like, my mom was perfect. Everything was perfect before my dad died. She'd come home from work. She'd cook dinner. We'd have, you know, and she was like, your mama could have been crying while she was cooking dinner. You just not know it. And I was just like, whoa, because it's because now as an adult, you see like there's so much shit going on. So even even if you had the most perfect relationship, there are outside external forces that are going to affect that your relationship with that person. Um, So breaking it down, people can think that their relationship is perfect from the outside, you know. 
And then you find out how many times have you been surprised by somebody's divorce? Shit, everybody was surprised for some reason when I <laughs> left my, but that's because I didn't tell nobody. Nothing. But you know so what? Of course I think, you thought it was okay. <laughs> I actually think that now that we have age, looking mm-hmm. back, we're not surprised. You're like, oh, that shit was a little fucked up. Like, yeah, like I was <laughs> yeah. talking to a friend and we were talking about, um, this program we used to do. And I remember mm-hmm. when you when you first had your daughter, she was with us every single weekend. And at the time... And I was driving from an hour, hour and a half away yeah. with a newborn every fucking Saturday. Yeah. And at the time, we didn't... We just looked at it like, oh, Kimria wants to be... You know, like, she don't want to leave her baby. Mm-hmm. And yes, there is an ex- a point to that, but also... Every mama, she lying to you if she don't say it, has a fuck them kids moment. And you mm-hmm. weren't allowed to have that. Mm-hmm. And we just, you know, like, so even now, I think as an adult looking back, you thought you were keeping it from us and we were just dumb enough to not see it, but <laughs> you what? Exactly. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, y'all. So... I jumped ahead to talk about the loss of a parent, how it affects our relationships. That was something I was going to talk about a little later. What I wanted to start with was Jolene may have had a uh, reputation for being a hot mess express, but I think it was just a reputation because she was young and trying to figure shit out. Can you hear my stomach? Mm Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> oh, my son was like, hey, motherfuckers. <laughs> okay. So, um, and one of the things that you, when you first sent this book to me was that you touched on, you said this touches on vulnerability. And I think it mm-hmm. is so difficult being vulnerable with someone who appears to have all their shit together in the ways that you don't. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. because like we just went through this whole thing about how Jason really don't have his shit together in all areas, right? Whereas Jolene, she's pretty secure with her relationship with her family, right? Yeah. And mostly. Yeah. But she's just she's still trying to figure herself out professionally. And yeah, she's been through some shit, you know? And so mm-hmm. I can I can feel how, like, if I were in that position, I would have felt so, um, it would have been difficult for me to, like, truly be myself with Jason. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, damn, like, here you are with all your shit together. And here I am falling apart. You know, I felt, I have felt that in relationships in the past. And, well, obviously, they, they didn't work out. But um, I think that the reason that I part of the reason that I married my ex-husband was because I felt like he accepted me not having my shit together. Does that make sense? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so even the guys that I dated <laughs> that had their shit together, I mean, like I was I was counting the wrong things because, like, yes, on paper they had their shit together, but they were fucking yeah, mama boys. Like, they were trash. Really right. That's that's yeah, the that's the bigger question. Like, what does having your shit together really means? And I think that I would always look at 
the things that I don't have and say, hey, they have their shit together because they can do X, Y, and Z, and I can't. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm looking at one piece of a whole. And that person and judging myself on one piece of who I am. Right. As opposed to the whole thing. The totality of the situation. <laughs> um, yeah. So I I just found that very interesting about how we deal with like I, this all brings me to how we deal with our insecurities in relationships with people mm. as we think about like, how, <clears throat> I'm sorry, as we think about like what makes, you know, what makes someone have their shit together. Um, mm-hmm. I think now that I'm dating, I have realized that there is less focus on the stuff that I used to believe had a guy shit together and more on the shit that like really makes difference, like really means something. So mm-hmm. yes, that list to help you do that. You know? Bitch, I got the list. <laughs> I know. But yeah. I mean, but I mean, there are things on the list that is the whole job conversation, right? Remember we had that job mm-hmm. conversation and it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I think I'd rather have a guy that was, you know, a medical coder, nonsense. No offense to medical coders, but you get what I'm saying. Like, just comfortable doing his little basic job. As long as he's, like, emotionally healthy. Basic. Basic. I'm using problematic language. I'm sorry. Yeah, it feels super judgy. It does. I'm sorry. I'm trying not to be because I don't want, like, I want to make it clear that, like, I'm not. Again, I'm a hot mess. Well, I have been a hot mess express. I understand the ideas of being a hot mess express, how it happens. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm judgy, but it's, you know, like, I think I would be willing to discount the whole career area of a guy's life if he's emotionally healthy and can fucking tell his mama no and set some boundaries and, you know, like, is emotionally intelligent. Right. Yeah. So you've done some, yeah, some rethinking around what's important there. Yeah. Which is very interesting because my therapist told me that <laughs> I need to uh, reevaluate my. Who who told you that before that? No. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Pat myself on motherfucking back. That's fine. Whatever. Um. Have you had? I mean, I'm assuming it is. Tell me what your. What has changed is you have worked through mm. relationship sobriety. Like what has, what once mm. was hot that ain't that impressive? Honestly, I, okay. So I'll, t- I tell the, I'll tell a story and I think that that illustrates it. I really used to just kind of fall into relationships. I would think someone was attractive. That was really my main criteria that I like their face. And if they like my face, <laughs> then we would build garbage castles in the sky. <laughs> and garbage castles <laughs> in the sky, flying high. Sorry. And the way that I got married was that I was telling my ex-husband about a friend um, in my grad school program who was in the country on a student visa. 
And she met someone while she was in New York and they had been planning to get married, but their wedding was, I don't know, maybe a year off. Um, and they, because they knew her visa was going to expire because we were going to graduate, they went to the courthouse and they got married. Like, and then they were still planning their big wedding or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was telling him about it and he was like, yeah, we should just do that. Now, it was not in my plan to get married at that point. Mm-hmm. I had this whole timeline in my head mm-hmm. and it that was not it. Um, but literally, I, the way I told the time, like he said, we should do that. And I was like, okay. Like, that's how, that's, that's how I got married 11 months after I met that nigga. And I think that that kind of sums up the way that I approached relationships back then. It was like, oh, we like each other. That's cool. Let's do this. There was no real thought. There was no checklist. There was no, there was no intention. It was just, okay, now I'm with this person. And because I was a serial monogamous, which really, at least in my case, was code for didn't want to be alone. Um, I would, you know, fall into these relationships and be in them for years before I realized that they were not for me and then moved on. And I was always the one who left. It'd be like I'd fall in and then I would wake up and have an epiphany and then I would peace out. And that was really the way that I carried it for years. Um, I Go ahead. No, keep talking. I, I didn't want to lose okay. it, but I'll write it down. I think the contrast now, and I think you've used this word in describing the way that I approach things, is that I'm very intentional. So, you know, when I started, this, when I decided, okay, I want to get on the apps and try to find somebody, at first it was kind of that same thing. I was just kind of swiping and whatever. Um, and then my trauma came in and I had a panic attack after, you know, what I thought was a decent date and turned out to be somebody who I had to block in all the places and started back to therapy and, you know, had to go through the whole sobriety situation and no, you know, no texting, no whatever. But in that time, it wasn't just cutting myself off from any type of a romantic situation. It was about really understanding what it was that I wanted and what I needed, which I honestly had never really asked myself before until things went bad. Mm -hmm. And in being able to do that, it allowed me to be intentional about searching for what I wanted instead of just falling into things. So that's the difference. Yeah. So two things that I wanted to note, serial serial monogamist. I think that we tend to get that term twisted because I think Mm -hmm. that there's a difference between being a serial monogamist and just a person that, that doesn't date around. Does that make sense? I keep asking, does that make sense? So, I don't quite get the distinction. Jumping from like one relationship me, it, to I, one it relationship. Meant that I was in one re- Like right. there's no break. As soon as you're out of one, you're into another. That is yeah. very different from, I just don't like dating a lot. And so I'm intentional about who I find. And mm. I'm going to, you know, like I'm not going to have five guys on the roster and see who shakes out. Like that's just not how I operate. Yeah. Which is what I did, but the the roster would shake out in a couple of weeks. Yeah, like there was but no, I just I, yeah. I just think that sometimes people will label people serial monogamous 
not recognizing. Mm-hmm. Like, no, they're just really, I don't want to say lucky. And they're good at like figuring out what they want and sussing that out and mm-hmm. picking it, you know? So. Yeah. And that was not me. Exactly. Um, and I think I was less of a, I just ended up in a relationship. I, I had lists in my mind. They were just fucked up lists. You know, like mm-hmm. I was just looking at the wrong mm-hmm. things. I was, we always say, you looking at them shiny niggas and them shiny, in college, we was looking at them shiny niggas. Them shiny niggas ain't got no hair. They're like Neanderthals. They got beer oh, bellies. Oh no. Whereas the niggas that we weren't paying attention to, I'm like, God, ooh. <laughs> that you shined up. You look good, you know? And so I was looking for the shiny niggas. And mm. and my list was full of shiny shit when it should have been full of like emotionally intelligent shit that would equip you for a yeah. motherfucking, I was about to say job. And a relationship. relationship. Yeah. yeah. So um I and again. I keep looking at this word vulnerability, but the idea of being vulnerable and like exposing yourself. Also, I've been watching Married at First Sight lately, which is, it's an interesting show. There are trash people inserted in it. Does that make sense? Like it's like a hot pocket. The concept is great, but I don't. It's so it's just they introduce people and you pick someone. I've never seen it. The The concept is great. The hot pocket shell, the concept of a hot pocket is great. But do you want a pepperoni and cheese hot pocket or a ham and cheese hot pocket? You don't want a ham and cheese because it's just ham and cheddar. You want the marinara and the mozzarella and the pepperoni. So, <laughs> so what they do. Is <laughs> this entire metaphor goes over my head. Oh, so you got to school. What they do on the show, they take people, they have them do like a battery of tests and psychological exams. And like, do you like, are you a morning person? Are you a night person? Do you eat with the sheets on or sheets off? Stuff like that. I don't know how that came about. But did you say eat with the sheets on? I don't know. So, (laughs) So they take all these people and then they have like these psychologist and I think it's a pastor. They have all these people match them. Mm-hmm. And literally they plan a wedding and you show up and you're like, hey, and y'all get married, right? Wow. And there are some people that are like, I did this because I'm tired of dating. I want a marriage. And I know that I'm showing up to a nigga that like, if there's no, like, what does he want? He says he wants it. No, we both signed this marriage contract. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. the, the great, the hot pocket shell of it is that they are forcing these people. And yes, it's a little, it is not a little, it is super sped up, but they're forcing them to do things that I think that most people, I don't want to say don't do in relationships. They're forcing them to do things that you should do when you're like trying to find someone, a lover. So like one night they had them sit on, they had the couple sit on the couch and they just asked a bunch of questions, but they were really tough questions. And they're questions that may be answered over the course of getting to know someone over two, three years, but they're compacting it Mm -hmm. all into a six week 
you know, six week experiment. And so they have to be very like, you can't have subtleties at this point. It's like, we need big ass glaring signs. How do you feel about this? And so I like it. I like the show because they are really doing those big ass glaring signs of like, this is something you're going to have to think about if y'all being married. We're going to throw you in a situation and see how it happens. So like they had this, uh, like one week it was like, we're focusing on families. Like we're going to have your family and their family come together and y'all do some shit together. You know, like, and it's not like a flavor of love. Cause I do love some shit like that. And there are some trash bag people. So Chris, um, that's making it very <laughs> difficult, but the, the, how they're doing it makes it like, so great because it is literally like in your face these are things you need to be thinking about and being intentional about so i like the show because and i'm thinking about vulnerability because literally the episode that i just watched was about it and there was this couple and they are just the cutest couple it's a little black couple and they're adorable and one of their issues is that like the husband gets all like in his feelings and not acts a fool but you know he'd be like huffy and shit when things don't go well and he's like you know they went salsa dance and he was like you know he had an attitude when it was over and he was like it's because uh he was like if i'm being honest is because i looked like a fool i gained weight my shirt was too tight and i just didn't want to embarrass myself in front of her mm-hmm. and she was like bro like said that money yeah, like I and she was like, I like the quirks. You don't have to always be perfect, you know. And so, like a lot of their conflict comes from him wanting to put on this perfect shell yeah. for her because he he likes her so much, you know, and that kind of thing. So it was just cute. And um, again, the outside, the show itself concept, I actually think is great. But they didn't then insert ham and cheese in it when it should be marinara and pepperoni <laughs> and uh mozzarella um okay. so yeah uh and that i think that's what i look forward to in a relationship i'm talking my ass off i was trying mm-hmm. to give you a choice uh pant chance <laughs> to talk but no no, no. <laughs> but i think that's what i look forward to i want to be vulnerable i want somebody to be like it's okay good i know you or addicted to buying t-shirts on Instagram. I love you, Spike. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess being vulnerable is hard as hell. I mean, for you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, y'all yes. have my flashes, so I'll put y'all on mute and fan myself. <laughs> yeah, for me, it is difficult. Uh, I always feel better after I do it. And mm-hmm. it is definitely the kind of thing where it takes practice to be better and better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I work really hard at doing it. It helps that my partner makes it easy. He doesn't throw things up in my face. He doesn't make me feel silly for being vulnerable. He takes it seriously. So that's all I can ask for. And keep trying. I think the reasons we feel this way comes from the same point. Like where we were carrying big shit on our backs, right? And so it's like, but see, I am, <laughs> I think this says a lot about our working relationship, how we work together. I'm like, fine and fuck it, take it. That's me taking off the backpack of shit and <laughs> handing my vulnerability to somebody. Like, oh, fine, <laughs> take it. Whereas you're like, 
no, I'm not sure what you're going to do with that. So I'm going to hold on to it. Right. <laughs> Is that how I approach work? Oh, the, well, how we approach it. This relates to how we approach work because like, <laughs> it's like, we got to do it. It got to be right. I'm like, mm, we can wing it. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> I know it, it works, y'all. I don't know how, but it works. Okay. Um, they were on the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again with me and my friends. Can't get wait to get on the road again. Mm-hmm. I need you to be more excited about <laughs> <laughs> singing, bitch. <laughs> you be like, are you waiting for you to finish? <laughs> um, but I love a good road trip. I love a good road trip. Oh, I love a good road trip. I like to get places. Like okay. my daughter and I talk about what superpowers we wish that we had and trans um teleportation. Teleportation yes, is, is mine. Mm-hmm. I would like to be able to do a hard blink and appear where the fuck I want to be. And was fucked me too, because what's fucked up is by the time if when teleportation becomes an option, even if it's like a billion dollars, right? Like it exists, you can do it, but it's a billion dollars. I will only travel by teleportation. Like, <laughs> so your ass gonna be in the house? Yeah, they're gonna be like, Erica, come out. I can't afford to teport there, bitch. Nobody can. Well, <laughs> yes, you don't need me because I do hate like airports and flying and all that. But when there's like a rope, first has got to be a specific time, uh-huh. like. Four hours max. That's mm-hmm. DC to New York, right? Four mm-hmm. hours max. Good people. I don't have to be required to drive. And good music. Mm-hmm. And well, then I love things, a good road trip. Those things can make them fun. They're just not my favorite. I mean, two hours is about what I want to do. And on the way there, it's always good, right? The music mm-hmm. is cranking, got the window down. My kid is not, you know, being bothered or bothering me, whatever. But the Excited way Excited to go see what's on the other end. Exactly. It's that coming home, my nigga. Like, <laughs> that's the yeah. part I hate. And because of my fatigue issues, yeah, yeah, I be struggling. Like, pull over at a rest stop and close my eyes for 30 minutes struggling sometimes. It's just too much. I be tired. Getting there is always fine. Coming home is bad. Yeah, I love a good road trip. I love a good road trip. But it's been so long. With I mean, snacks and it's imagine that sour straws. Like, when we drive to Ocean City or when we do our family vacays. Yeah, that's not too far. And I drive, so that's part of why you like it, because I'm driving. (laughs) But see, that's only a couple of hours. It's not bad. And it's going to open itself up to five days on the beach. Like I said, on the way there, it's good. Yeah, on the way back, I'm like, Remember we came, I think it was our last trip where we came back from Ocean City and like on the way, the entire time, the weather was beautiful. Mm. And literally as soon as we hit the beltway, it got like hot and oppressive. It was just like. Yeah. And then there was that traffic. This trip was over. Yeah. Yeah. It was was just no. We ended up getting off and eating a Cracker Barrel. We always eat a Cracker Barrel. Yeah. But I mean, it was the traffic and we were like, fuck it, let's just go eat. 
I feel like I should not enjoy Cracker Barrel as much as I do because everyone says it's racist and it feels like racism, but it's not. Well, it's the name, and I, I always felt that way growing up. Like one of but our good friends always wanted to go there. Brown casserole. Beat. I ain't never had that. I get the catfish. Oh, mm. I gotta go yeah. tonight. I think tonight is going to be the night. Normally, I try to make it to Friday. I've been doing really good at cooking all our meals, but I'm tapped out. Like, I ain't got shit in there to cook. Oh, no. I'm co- I, I think need to I'm go shopping. Tonight. I think I'm cooking I think we're getting Chinese food. I'm Oof. over it. I haven't had good Chinese in a minute. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> Love a good road trip. I think my... Because I take lots of road trips. I think my favorite road trip... It's a toss up. Mm-hmm. So the one where we took to our girlfriend's wedding, the mother of the cute mm-hmm, kid, mm-hmm. that was a fun one. Going there, coming back, it was horrible. Well, y'all had an incident on the way there too. That should have made it horrible. Wait, you were with us on the way there. Uh uh-uh, uh, I didn't ride with y'all. I flew in. Right, no, you the- flew, you rode with us there and flew. Out. I did not. Did you? I did not. I flew in and I flew out. Somebody did. Well, then it was we left somebody and they flew back. Anyway, I don't yeah, know. I, was, I did not ride with y'all. It was too far. I don't. I do not like riding in a car for that long. I thought, it, I thought you were with us, but anyway, <laughs> no, yeah, so I met y'all at the hotel, and I came in. I flew with my hair wrapped like, up in, yeah, knots, okay. in bantu knots or something because I wanted to be able to take it down for the wedding. Now I came in on my own because I had a little baby at that point. It was definitely one of those I can't just be gone for all of this time situations. Because yeah. And yeah. that's why it was horrible getting back because I had to get back for your child's dance recital. Oh, yes. And we got and there was another traffic, reason why I couldn't and it was just like I had to get home. Oh. Yeah. So, anyway, um mm-hmm. so that was a good road trip going. Uh except for your windshield got cracked. <laughs> <laughs> and we spent how many hours sitting there getting that shit fixed? We went to Safe Life. Oh, but we had that food. Oh my god. So, we were in Kentucky and we went to the most Kentuckiest mm. ass. Mm. Like, and like don't think like white people, style. KFC. No. Like, think of like an old lady with, with like receding the hairline and a hairnet and a gold, an open face gold, like mm. right here, and then plastic gold. Like, what you want, baby? God, I love us. Yeah. It was oh, so it was so ugh. Every time mm. I think about it. Even so that was for a me good road trying trip. to find stuff that didn't have meat in it, I still was able to find some good food. <laughs> and, and food is everything. Food rules everything around me. Friend, get the money. Okay. Um. So, <laughs> another good road trip, and it was for a really sad situation. Our girlfriend's mother passed away, mm. and her funeral was in like South Carolina, butt crack, North Carolina. Was it in North Carolina? She's from Swartz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dip, dip. We stopped at this like spot mm-hmm. <laughs> first it was like the crew because you know when you when your girls family like we mount up we mount up like yeah we don't fuck around yeah. so we all piled up and, and we in, went to in this, dark in the dark yes, in the morning <laughs> we sure did and we drove and we were like okay we're gonna stop and get something to eat before we go to the funeral because this was just a up there and back we, um, we stayed overnight some of and came us, back the next morning. Me, you, and another girlfriend uh-huh. stayed. <laughs> that was the night your daughter went, what? <laughs> 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 was it? 
Yes. Oh my. We were like getting ready to go. And I guess she thought we were leaving her because we like gathered everything. And we're like, okay, we're going to pick up the baby last and put her in the car. And she just heard too much shuffling. And she was, she was like dead asleep. She woke up. Oh. What? That's also the day that she was doing Beyonce choreography in between the hotel room beds on the floor with her legs yes. up. She was doing uh, Girls Run the World. Yes, she was because she kept going like this with her feet. With her feet. Okay. Um, but I was like, oh, so going Lord. there, it was great because it was like all the girls, we just yeah. going to see our girlfriend, take care of her, love on her. And then we stopped at this like, mm-hmm. this shit looked like a porch. It was yeah. like what Cracker Barrel wants to be, like what, like Cracker Barrel be. is like Disney World, and this spot was like the shit the that Disney was, would face their shit on. Yeah, it was good. I remember our one girlfriend who don't eat meat. She had some beans, and she was fuck. This was one of the spots where you order beans, right? Yeah. <laughs> she was fucking them beans up, and I'm like, "Yo, that's meat in the beans." She was like, "I don't care." <laughs> Oh my goodness, that was a good road trip. That was a good road yeah, trip. Yeah, it was a good trip. And then we actually, you know, sometimes when we go for the funerals, because, you know, we're at the age where this is the thing that we do, we don't always get to actually spend time with them. You know, we yeah. go in, we see them at the service, we're there for support. And then, you know, they've got other stuff going on and we've got to leave, especially if it's in the middle of the week. And that was one where we actually got to love on her. Like we went to dinner. She came back to our home. Like we got to spend a bunch of time with her. And it was. Did we go to Cheesecake Factory? We did go to Cheesecake. Because because Cheesecake then became an after funeral tradition. Because exactly. after my mom's that funeral, was the beginning of we it. all went to <laughs> Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, yeah, that became our after funeral tradition. Remember, we had to wait a long ass time as per usual. And that was when I told everybody the true story of how I got divorced. Remember, you were the only person at the table who Oh, knew. yeah. Niggas was crying yeah. and stuff. But, yeah, know. yeah. We got a good-ass group of friends. We do. And I love y'all. Yeah, I love y'all. Okay. Um, girl. We digress so far. I don't know. No, because I'm like, I feel like. I'm going through shit and this we just hitting on books that is just like fucking me up hitting Mm -hmm. me in the gut so in the story Jolene decides to strike out on her own and build her own business and as someone that is staring that in the face that shit is scary Carrie is smiling because yeah. she's done it and is doing it. I've done it. it a couple of times and it is. I mean, the first time it wasn't scary because I got laid off and I was like, well, fuck it. I got unemployment. Let's see what this thing do. But the second Sorry, time. I accidentally touched the button on my fan. <laughs> <laughs> the second time was me walking away from what at one point, like what 25 year old Kenry thought was her dream job. Mm hmm. And that mm-hmm. was considerably scarier because also I had a lot more responsibility. I didn't just have to keep me alive. I had to <laughs> keep myself in. Because that's the thing. Like, I always would tell myself, like, you know what? Fuck it. If things fall apart, it's just me. I don't mm-hmm. give a fuck. What we going to do? I'm going to just go sleep on one of my girlfriend's couches. Mm-hmm. Easier to do when it's just you. Yeah. But now I got a child and a dog. And family that lives with that, you know, 
Mm-hmm. I don't want to say lives with me. We live together. And so it's a little more difficult. Yeah. But um, I, you know, I loved that a big piece of this story was someone kind of realizing, hey, I can do this on I can do this on my own. I can do this for myself, you know? Um, I think that for me, I'm saying the reason that I am striking out on my own is because I want to be able to put more time into my own projects where like the truth is there's going to be a a lot of it where I'm just going to be hustling for the man under my own name. But Mm. I am confident that I'll be able to build it so that I'll be able to rise out of, you know, hustling more for myself as opposed to hustling more for the man under my name. I mean, here's the thing. I think, and I think that people don't necessarily understand this until they're entrepreneurs, but working for yourself is kind of a misnomer. Like you still have to have clients. You still have, there are still people who you have to answer to. Now there's no one over your shoulder. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, which is a big part of it for me. I do not do well with someone looking over my shoulder, telling me what the fuck to do or asking me why I didn't do something. That's not for me mm-hmm. um, in any aspect of my life. Um, but I still have clients that I have to deal with, whose egos I have to dance around, whose, you know, I have to when I set produc- production schedules, I still have to adhere to them and follow up with them when they don't get stuff back to me when they're supposed to and you know all of Mm -hmm. that so it's yeah sure I'm working for myself and running my own business but I still have to deal with other people Mm -hmm. I'm not working for the man but I'm definitely working with that nigga and so (laughs) that brings me back to that whole like trying to make sure that I am cultivating the the work and the life that I want right mm-hmm. so when I am considering new work when someone reaches out to me and asks me to work on a project because thank god I'm at that point where people you know hit me up from my website and ask me for things and the first thing I do is I feel in my body how I felt when I opened the email mm. if it felt like panic mm. then usually the answer is no Unless it was just panic because it was something that was challenging and I need to like sit with the stretch fact that I, uh-huh. I'm ready for exactly to stretch. If it, yeah, but if I feel that way and I close it immediately, usually that means that you can go ahead and send them. I got a, a little, uh, a cut and paste thing that I send people. Can we keep that the template says, on hand? I do because I don't have time to rethink how to say no to this thing every it. fucking time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, if it makes me feel sleepy, (laughs) then I say no. If it falls outside of the parameters of the list of work that brings me joy, which feels like a misnomer, but capitalism, like I have a list of the work that I do and it's ranked by how much joy it brings me. And if it's at the end of things, like quite frankly, I'm a writer. But I really, at this point, only want to write things that, that like my books. If it mm-hmm. ain't a book, I don't necessarily want to write. I write scripts. I kind of enjoy that. But that's also sometimes makes me feel stressed out. Um, but any other thing that somebody's asking me to write, don't bring me joy. No, thank you. Um, and so 
when it comes to being an entrepreneur, at first, a lot of times you got to say yes to the things that don't necessarily make you smile immediately because you got to mm-hmm. get yourself a base. But the hope is always that you get to the point where you can be like, Mm-mm, don't want to work with that nigga. Uh, I don't want no, it. Thank you. I don't want I don't yeah. get out of bed for three million or whatever the girl said. <laughs> oh, it's a million dollars or some shit. I uh, yeah, I mean, and I ain't there, but um, yeah. I am very consciously saying no to things that um, I don't want to do and saying yes increasingly to the things that I want to do. Although, honestly, for the first couple of months of this year, I was saying no to literally everything. I looked at my bank account and was like, bitch, you got to say yes to something. <laughs> you got to show them a little leg. <laughs> Let them kiss you a little bit. All right. Um, all righty. Well, uh, I thought this was like just a dope as hell book. Um, mm-hmm. again, Mimi Grace, yeah. that yeah. sex scene mm, made me tingle. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we will include links as usual in our notes so that you can get the book for yourself. You got anything else to add, Kelly? Uh, no, I think that's it for the book. Let's take a quick break and pay some bills and come on back. Hey, y'all. Today's a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it'd be fun to have your own show like us, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. And Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show gets put online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, literally everything within minutes of finishing and uploading your recording. We use it here for the turn on and I can truly attest to the fact that it's pretty fucking dope. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. So join over 100,000 podcasters like us who are already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Just click the link in our show notes and you'll be able to get your own account set up. And if you sign up for a paid plan, you'll get a $20 Amazon gift card and support our show. Let's create something great together. Sign up for Buzzsprout today. First, I like your nose ring. I'm Thank st- you. Yesterday you mentioned Me. it, but today I'm like seeing it. I like mm-hmm. it. Um, okay, so this is our part of the show where we talk about what? What's turning us you on? You gotta I'm say like, it's sexy. <laughs> oh, okay. What's turning us on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... This week, what's turning us on is this little rubber ducky here. So, uh, so a few reasons why I like it. One, this sits next to my nightstand. It literally just sits out because guess what? You don't know what the fuck it is. Now, mm-hmm. I don't have a child like Kimry is that will walk in and out of my room picking up shit. So don't, if that's the case, don't. Well, no, we have a rule against that now, but that is a thing that happened. Did I ever tell that story? Am I, I found my? I don't know. <laughs> Yo, she called me into her room or something. For, and I look over and she wasn't, that ain't why she called me. She just wanted me to come look at something. And I look over and on her shelf, she got all these little plastic toys lined up. <laughs> and right in the mix is an egg. <laughs> <laughs> she had pulled that shit off the charger and put it in her room. She's like, it's cute. Toys. And it wiggles. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was color coordinated with her toys. And so when she wasn't looking, I just <laughs> like, <it>. that's <laughs> mine. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, she's like, four, okay, so. <laughs> Now everything is above so. Her head. This little thing here is a rubber ducky. It is cute. I adore it. It kind of so. It's a vibrator. Wait, hold on. So it vibrates, right? Can y'all hear that? Mm -hmm. Ooh, yes, we can definitely. My bad. <laughs> so no, not that. I think unless people see just how powerful it is, but you have to turn it, it off. It also has. Wait, hold on. Okay, so it's a vibrator, but it also has this little thing here which is suction. So it, mm. it has a little, <laughs> I was showing Kimberly this earlier. <laughs> oh my God. It sounds like For a those dog, who right? cannot see, <laughs> you should, yes, you can head over to our uh, YouTube channel. Just search the turn on podcast. You can watch Erica <laughs> playing with her. this little dog. Do this but yeah, so it so it has a little <laughs> suction and vibration, so you can like use it on mm. your nipples to stimulate yourself or a partner, or use it on your clitoris. So I love it. This is cute. It's just uh, I would say quiet, but it, it. I mean, it's you know okay, but it's cute. It's waterproof. No, it's um, it is silicone, so use water based lubricants with it. You can find it um, on our website. We'll include the link to purchase it. Um, this is one of the toys that I am selling through my company. Um, and we'll include, like I said, it'll be a link. What's your company called? The Erotic Escape. Say it. <laughs> the Erotic Thank Escape. Thank you, Karia. Okay, so um, mm -hmm. it's great. <laughs> I love it. It's cute. And um, yeah. Get it for yourself. Rubber ducky, you're the one. Rubber ducky, you touch my clit and make me go like, ooh, ow, yeah. I feel like they probably won't like that use of that. Whatever. <laughs> okay, so with that, this wraps up this episode of The Turn On. It does indeed. We are Kenria and Two hoes making it quack. Making it clap. <laughs> <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Bye, y'all. This episode was produced by us, Kenria and Erica, and edited by Ballistic. The theme music is from Brazy. Now you can support the turn on and get off. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app, then drop us a five-star review and you'll be entered to win something that's turning us on. Just post your review and email a screenshot to us at the turnonpodcast at gmail.com to enter. Our Patreon page is also live, and if you become a supporter today, you'll get access to lots of goodies, including two-for-one raffle entries. And don't forget to email us your book recommendations and your pressing sex and related questions. You can follow us on Twitter at the Turn On Pod and Instagram at the Turn On Podcast. And you can find links to books, merch, transcripts, guest info, and other fun stuff at theturnonpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Holla.